This is the Tribe Mastermind, where we talk business, purpose, and passion with your hosts, Jordan Muela and Steve Welty. If you're ready to shift into a bigger future, then this is the show for you. So plug in, buckle up, and get ready to be. Brad, I'm super excited to have you here, man. I am here. You're in San Diego, brother. In studio in San Diego. In studio in the mothership of Good Life Property Management. And uh, I saw you pull up in a blue, is that blue Corvette? Oh, dude, it was an awesome, it's a blue Mustang. <laughs> yeah. That thing is fast. Yeah. Or why did I say Corvette? Yeah, Mustang. So it's totally stereotypical California, Southern California. <laughs> like, if you're going to come here, right. I had to rent a convertible Mustang. Yeah. So you tear out of the airport and do it 100 on, on the interstate. Pull the e-brake around a turn? The e-brake. I don't have any. You know, oh, I, you got to do that in a rental. Yeah, I don't have any of those skills. But, <laughs> you know, the fact that I can press fast and it goes and hang on. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I texted you yesterday. I said, I want you in a Corvette cherry red, but blue works. Blue works. <laughs> yeah. Blue, blue works. works. Just Leonard Skinner. And you hit me with some ACDC back in black when you got I out today. On, I got in the car, turned it on. It was on a rock channel. <laughs> rock radio channel. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you made my day, man. You made my day. And you know, the funny thing is my wife, Leah, she's from uh, San Francisco and she always beats me up about, see, I told you California is awesome. I told you. <laughs> you know, we're from Texas or I live in Texas and, yeah. and you always make fun of you guys. We make fun of each other back and right. forth. But yeah, it's, I love to come visit here. It's cool, cool man. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you about um, what's going on with Austin. I know you, you expanded a little bit. I know, you know, it's challenging to go into a new market. What are some lessons learned maybe from, from that experience? So we're greenfielding that. Right. And I stole that term from Matt Whitaker. And basically you have the alternative to go in and acquire a company like go get a hundred doors or 200 doors mm-hmm. and spend the money to do that. Or you can start from sheer scratch right. in Greenfield. Okay. So what we did is we hired a gal, we got a couple homes under management. Uh, I mean, she's a part-time, you know, a thousand dollars a month right now is all she's getting paid. She manages 11 homes now for us in Austin, but we're building it. Okay. We're building it. We're Google ads. We have the website. We're capturing leads, mm-hmm. we're developing leads. We're building it slowly and surely. And so when you build it like that, instead of spending money on an acquisition, what, throw a figure at me for an acquisition. Give me a number. 200 grand. 200 grand. Okay. That's how many years in salaries and Google ads, mm-hmm. right? Let's call it two years for right. fun, right. about $100,000 a year and over the top Google ad spending mm-hmm. and a salary for a person on the ground. Right, right. How much could you develop with that over two years to get you to that point to 100 homes? Could you build to 100 homes in two years? Right. So it's almost six, one up, doesn't you other. Right. Okay. You, you could go and acquire, but you got to spend the capital mm-hmm. to do it. Or you can greenfield it is what we're starting to do. Now, I don't know if it's going to work right. that well, right. but is there anything wrong in going slow and building? Right. Has that ever not worked? Have you thought about how much money you're going to put towards it? Like, I assume it's bleeding money with not, not I mean, not, breaking even. not bleeding, but like breaking even. Breaking okay. Even. Well, we, the revenue we get from the 11 homes pays for her salary. Okay. So right now we're kind of breaking even. That's total. cool. Uh, the other stuff that we want to get into is adding more homes. So she's there to do business development for us. She's managing a few that she has. Right, right. And this is, again, it's a market only 60 miles away. Mm-hmm. And Austin and San Antonio are basically growing into each other. So one day it might be known as San Austin. Oh, yeah? Oh, that, you wouldn't so, like that. I don't mind it. No, I'm just mind. kidding. Just keep the blue up there. We'll <laughs> yeah. The yeah, there you go, bro. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, what's up with any business coaches or consultants? I know, weren't you working with Scott Fritz for a little bit? Scott Fritz did a strategic planning session okay. for us two years ago. Okay. thought it was very valuable. I would highly recommend any sort of strategic planning session from anybody coming in from the outside 
Dev Newell's a good one. Uh, Scott Fritz was really good. Okay. Both of them are very intimately knowledgeable mm-hmm. about the property management industry. They can come in with your team. You know, I would do it towards the end of the year, you know, fourth quarter, November, December, and get your strategic planning done for the following year. Right. And uh, that was a one day with Scott Fritz? One day with Scott. I think Deb does a couple days. Deb does a couple days. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple different people out there. Um, anybody else that comes to mind, maybe not even from a strategic planning standpoint, but have you guys leaned on? I know you work with Phil Mazur. We talked about anyone else come to mind that's been helpful for you? There's not a ton. There probably would be after they listen to this podcast because yeah. I'm forgetting about them. Mark Cunningham might be another one. But okay. I don't think he flies to your office mm-hmm. to do a strategic planning session. Got it. Do you know of anybody? So we use Jeff Garrison for an okay. EOS implementer. Okay. He's a good framework guy and can he's really calm and really like can open up a conversation. He's not the guy that's like, this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do. But he, he's like that third party person that can really bounce ideas off of and can implement EOS. So that's been really good. I'm doing some work with Jason Goldberg. Um, that's been really impactful just on the personal side and like the mindset side. Okay. Um, so I definitely recommend him. And uh, yeah, I think that that's it. I mean, strategic coach is more of a program, but that's been huge too. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. So, uh, so what's your, uh, what's your hypothesis on like, wh- where are you taking rent works? What's, what's the BHAG? Like- so I think being a sole operator, sole owner of that company. Yeah. Uh, it can do very well if we were up to double the size. Mm-hmm. Um, we make a good living. We have good good income. We have good structures in place. That's a great method to go. But I'd like to get to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred homes, you know, in San Antonio and Austin. That's right. our, and it's not even a BHAG. That's more like a three year goal. Right. I have no aspirations of taking this nationwide. Sure. I have no aspirations of doing any sort of acquisitions in other states. I think there's enough business to go around in San Antonio and Austin mm-hmm. that if you build that, right. you'll be in great shape. Totally. And because there's some talk going on around the industry of, of this tech money and you got this, this, this virtual or excuse me, the VC money coming in, the, you know, all this stuff that they want to build a company and they want to take over the world of technology and they want to go to a hundred markets and they want to build it to 20,000 homes and then what? Yeah. Right. So the folks that are doing that, God bless them, but they're borrowing money and they're basically creating their own entity as a CEO or COO or whatever they want to be. It's like they're borrowing money to create a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the sole operators like you and I, the sole owners mm-hmm. are a really good system to where we can provide a great service, provide our employees an awesome opportunity for expansion in their careers and really do that on a smaller scale. But if you keep everything of what you make, that's almost as good as making 5% of a giant pie. Right. Because that's what they're looking at. By the right. time they pay off their VC monies and their salaries and their everything else, and they end up selling one day for eight figures or nine figures, they pay everything off. And what do they have left? It's right. the same. It's six F one doesn't the other. Because we make cash flow every month. You and I, we take a you know whatever owner draw we may take home, and plus you have distributions or whatever you're going to have. The value of being an owner is very tough to quantify. All the little things that we do that we write off and we indulge in and right. bury in the business, those things are just intangible. Right. I mean, it's just very tough to quantify those. Uh, so I think our BHAG, as far as rent works, going back to your question, is really get to a point where the business can run itself and uh, we're empowering the employees to make decisions. And it's, it's creating that, that effect where you see what John Bradford has done. You know, he's a... He built a great company in the North Carolina area. Jennifer Stoops runs that company. Mm-hmm. She's phenomenal. 
But John went off and did a stint as a politician. Right. Not even touching his company. Right. Jennifer ran that puppy yeah. for four or five years there. She's still running it. That's kind of where I want to go mm-hmm. and where you may want to go right. to allow us to go buy more properties, to allow us to develop more stuff in commercial. Uh, you and I were in the same boat just a minute ago. We're talking because I don't own my commercial space. You don't own your commercial space yet. Mm-hmm. So knock on wood. That's one of the goals in the immediate future is to buy my own commercial building. Right. To put our office there yeah. and expand that. Yeah. And I love it. It's, it comes down to what fires you up. And I'm the same as you. Going national like does not fire me up. Uh, I don't want to be the biggest property manager in the world. Kudos to those people that do. I think it's just about finding your niche. And I think we align in that regard in the sense that creating an, a company that can run for it by itself basically creates a lot of great jobs and a lot of upward mobility and opportunity for your team. And then w- we can go off and find other opportunities. Like I know you've got a lot of irons in the fire and different opportunities that you know, can help you scratch that itch. And then also that provides more opportunities for your team uh, in the property management. You know, I'm, I'm just like a big end up creating opportunity, you know, whether it's in this company or the next company or whatever it is. And so going down those avenues, you know, keeps you happy and keeps you healthy. I think, man, that's important. Yeah. The development of our, our property management mastermind as a completely separate business. Uh, that's been one of my BHAGs, yeah. as you would say. I'd like to see that really take off. We're going to do an annual conference every year. It's going to be in Vegas every year in the springtime. Uh, there's going to be a lot of announcements rolling out here yeah. in the next month or so. And we're going to develop that into providing products and services that really benefit the industry. Yeah. So I think that's going to be neat to see to come out. Now, there's other industry players out there, industry uh, venues or advocacy groups are out there. And you know who I'm talking right. about. They have a great portion. I love them. I will always embrace them. But I also think there's other opportunities that people are looking for other things. Yeah. We don't want to please everybody. We just want to please the people that are interested in that little niche yeah. of what we yeah. want to do. Yeah. And I think there's a, it's a wide open avenue to really explore. So that mastermind, we were talking about it off off uh, camera, but I'm excited about that. That seems really cool. In March, you're going to do three days. You're going to get try, try to get a couple hundred people out there and do some big group masterminds, small group masterminds, and breakout speaker stuff. What, uh, what else are you hoping to deliver or give the people that attend that? You know, the, the overused term of a overall great experience is going to be the forefront. The experience from the vendor's perspective, the experience also from the attendee's perspective is giving that really good content. I'm talking the red meat. Mm-hmm. So none of the stuff that you don't want, all the stuff that you can use <laughs> right. in your business. And I talked to you about three or four of the speakers I'm developing already. And there's probably speakers you may have heard of, the names we could drop you've heard of, but what they're delivering is stuff that everybody can use. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's not focusing on one particular niche necessarily, uh, and it's also talking about the things that aren't that sexy. Right, you know, the sexy stuff is the growth. Right, you know, the, to name the conference, grow something. You know, that's the sexy stuff everybody wants. Uh, I think we're going to be able to do a really good red meat. Conference. The red meat conference. Can we yeah. just name it that? I would love to. But <laughs> it's not hey, but that's what it is, man. You're a man yeah. of the people. The red we meat. Plan on day one to get into those small groups, have that small group mastermind right. environment. That's the spirit of the conference. Totally the mastermind. You got main conference, you know, the, the Tuesday and then Wednesday back into those small groups to really hammer down on the action items, mm-hmm. like creating your goals, mm-hmm. creating your rocks. What are you going to do when you leave this conference? Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of question will yeah. be asked. So people walk out of there with an action plan yeah. of what they're going to be doing when they get back to their own businesses. Very cool. That's going to help raise the bar. I love that. Um, super excited for that. So uh, I wanted to ask you about... Um, Client onboarding. We just got back from PM Grow. What any nuggets from that? 
Like, what are you doing on that? Client onboarding is critical. So the reason I'm out here is to deliver a presentation called Retention Equals Growth. One of the leakage points is the client onboarding. It goes from signing them up mm-hmm. to delivering them to the person that's going to manage the property. Now, in some businesses, that might be the same person. Okay, There, there should not be a lag, but what I envision, and we have done implement, we've implemented this in our business, is onboarding goes directly to a to another person in our team who calls them right away. Okay, I mean, like immediately. Mm-hmm. That's one of their sole focuses. Is they call the owner right away after they signed up, and they have a checklist of things they want to talk about. That checklist needs to be filled out, mm-hmm. and then that checklist goes to the property manager because they schedule the appointment. Right, that's the appointment scheduling phase. The problem with handing it off to a property manager or somebody else that's busy is you hand them a piece of gold. Hey, I just signed up this owner. And they're like, great. I got to take my kids to soccer. Uh, I got to do two more walkthroughs. And then I'll try to call them tomorrow. Right. No. Right. Yes. Drop everything and call them right effing now. Because that is gold I'm giving you. Don't let it sit there in the middle of the street. Yeah, I like that idea. But some things come to mind are like, okay, now you add another person in the mix they talk to. I see the benefit there. What has that worked seamlessly, or like, what are, are you, are you a big believer? Handoff, handoff issues, but you still believe in it. And it's note taking. Okay, That's so it's basically it's basically here's the contract. I want to confirm these things. I want to confirm this. Okay, great. I'm going to set you up an appointment with the property manager to talk to them on Tuesday. And it's note taking, note taking from the business development officer who mm-hmm. in person. They have to take good notes because the phrase of "I already told that person yeah. when we met," I already right. told them where the keys right. were. That phrase will pop up unless you take good notes. So the note taking has got to start mm-hmm. with a business development appointment, which we have a, a regimented note taking sheet with questions and lines that they can write in. Right. So they got to be filling that out. If you're not taking notes, you're being rude. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're just being rude, rude. man. <laughs> so the note taking has to go from the business development officer to the person who's going to make the onboarding call to the property manager. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever personnel you have in that mix, if there's one out of there, that's fine. But that's got to happen seamlessly. To ensure that the owner is getting everything that they wanted. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea. Speed to call, I think, is huge. That's something I've talked with Adam. We lost owners about right? it. Yeah. Here, here's a scenario where it just it enrages me. You sign up somebody on a Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. You sign them up. You sign up this morning. I give it to a property manager Wednesday afternoon. They don't effing call them till Monday. Yeah, that would be a problem. Oh, it's a huge problem. Thursday Especially is when a the problem. Owner says, well, nobody called me, so I hired another company. <laughs> That's why I'm getting all mad about it because I'm thinking of this exact scenario happening to us and I'm losing my, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Because that is gold. You don't right. walk away from it. Right. That's my point is you got to give, give it to somebody who can drop everything and call right then and there. That's the office manager. That's you as a business owner. That's somebody has got to onboard them ASAFP to right. ensure that they're not going somewhere else. Right. Nobody called me. So I'm going to go call your competitor. Right. They're going to come out and put a sign on my yard today. Right. That's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And even if you don't have the bandwidth, maybe if you're a company owner that doesn't have someone that can onboard someone or the capacity, I think just making it that this is the number one priority. Like you drop everything for a flood. Number one, number two is a new client coming on board. But the onboarding person, I think, because how impressive would it be to click sign and then your phone rings? That would be pretty cool. Is that the kind of what you're trying to do? That's what we want. Yeah. That's exactly what, because that signature when completed goes to that team member. And that team member sees that in their email yeah. and they're calling right away. What about additional insured? Do you um, still go for that? Do you, do you wait until they sign and then you try to get it from them after they sign? Or So I'll give away a secret. Yeah. All right. You're going to love this one. We charge an owner surcharge. Okay. 
once they make us additionally insured, we remove the surcharge. So in the PMA, property management agreement up front, X per month is what we're going to charge the owner. Once they give us the insurance form that says we are named additionally insured, RentWorks LLC, that surcharge is gone forever. So it's a deterrent or incentive mm-hmm. for them to call their insurance company and get that done. Sadly, we still see owners that don't care. Yeah, They don't even care about the surcharge. Right. They just don't even want to call their insurance company or they don't want to switch. Right. Or they give us the lame excuse that their insurance company won't name them additionally insured. There are thousands of options, mm-hmm. right? So if your insurance company says, oh, my insurance you know, company says they can't name a property manager additionally insured. Well, there's five other insurance companies that do. Go call one of them. Yeah, I love that. I didn't even think about that. Uh, surcharge is meant to be a deterrent. Right. Right. Well, and especially for the people a, that can't add you. Yeah. And it's a great talking point mm-hmm. in the business development appointment. There's a going through the, the uh, uh, property management agreement, you know, paragraph by paragraph. The business development officer turns to the owner and says, this XX per month surcharge fee is only going to be charged if you don't name us additional insured. We'll remove the fee. We'll never charge you 20 bucks ever, mm-hmm. right? Just name us additional insured. Call right. the insurance company, get us on it. Right, right. That's super cool. Um, what about the insurance? So your GL, your general liability or whatever will cover you for those. Do you feel adequately covered for those that aren't? Or it's like kind of you got to take your risks. You got to take your risks. Yeah. I, I hate insurance altogether. Right. It's a pain you in know, the ass. I think it's not a pain. It's just they say they're going to cover something and they don't. Yeah, it's you a know, pain. No, I, <laughs> insurance is just... Uh, I, I've had some recent things go on in the in the business world that has really jaded me against all insurance. Right. So, hiring. Who does your hiring? Any systems that are working great? Is it kind of just it is what it is? Anything special there? Yeah, the hiring process. I've come full circle. So first thing is you and I mm-hmm. need to understand that we're no longer doing anything but managing people. Right. So take that with a grain of salt. You'll cry in the corner if you have to. <laughs> Just deal with it and own it. Right. Our gig is hiring, firing, and managing people. Right. Okay. Even if you're never in the office, but once a month, mm-hmm. they're still your responsibility. Right. So embrace it. Get good at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just don't think that you're going to get lucky and find good people. It doesn't work like that. Okay. Hire slow, fire fast. Mm-hmm. Now, what we've done is we developed kind of a process, a procedure. We hired Culture Index. So I would seek out the culture index and look into that. It's much like a Colby test or much like a DISC mm-hmm. test. It's, it's that type of personality. Right, system. right. Okay. So the flow of this would work is we advertise on whatever advertising source you want to go to. Okay. Craigslist, Indeed, whatever. We send them to a SurveyMonkey application. They have to fill in the application, 15 to 20 questions. They have to attach a resume. Okay. Then they go to the culture index and fill in the culture index. Then we get immediate results out of all three. If they've done all three of those steps, you know, fill out the application, send us a resume, Mm -hmm. and then completed the culture index, take a look at it, right? That has significantly narrowed the funnel. Yeah. And I got to stress that because before we were just looking at resumes, oh, I like them. They had a college degree or they got a lot of experience, but then they go to the culture index and they have a 5% match. Yeah. The personality is completely off of what you want. Interesting. So that shows you what, how they're going to gel with people in your office. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, so what's the five percent mean? Is that so? The culture index rates their job, or, or excuse me, their personality based on the job. Based on the Got job. It. So you build the job in their system. It's called a C job. You right. Build it to so what you think they're going to be. Their strengths, weaknesses. Business development officer, or portfolio manager, or maintenance coordinator, or leasing coordinator. 
You know, one of those types of jobs we're talking mm-hmm. about. And so you build that C job, they go into the culture index, they fill it in, and it's, it's so accurate. It's scary, dude. Really? I'm telling you, it's scary. You put your team members through it and talk to somebody who understands it and they tell you about it, you'll start hearing things that, oh my God, you've never met this person, but you just pegged them. It's it's almost like it's scary almost. Okay? What, are, what does that cost? Can you tell me? It runs anywhere from six roughly. to ten grand a year. Okay. Okay. So and it's unlimited? Like you can have unlimited. 50 people apply and yeah, totally, fill it out? Totally unlimited. That's cool. And they coach you on how to use it. They come out and they spend two days with you oh, really? and coach you how to use this. Wow. That's one thing about the disc or the Colby. I don't really know how to use that stuff. Right. I mean, you could go watch a thousand YouTube videos, but it's not the same as being coached in person. Mm-hmm. So going back to that, the culture index is going to give you a percentage match. So if that person, for example, we just hired our last business development officer, Kristen, and Brian was promoted. So we're doing more stuff with him with business right. development consulting and the mastermind. Right. Brian's going to be doing that. So I replaced him. I promoted him, replaced him with Krista, Kristen, excuse me. Kristen comes in with an 89% match as a business development officer. So we saw that we gave her an immediate interview and we hired her on spot. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just that impressive. Yeah. The folks that were scoring 20%, 10%, don't waste your time. Yeah. So we saved countless hours in narrowing down that funnel mm. to getting that right hire. How many people are you interviewing usually in, in person? Is it like I don't know if there needs to be an actual number of minimum. I will tell you this, don't let the business owner do the interviews. Right. Because you and me are we're too positive. Yeah, I tell people when, especially at the tribe mastermind or wherever I'm talking to people, they're beating themselves over the head, and there's I'm like, who's doing the hiring? Oh, I do it. I'm like, stop. (laughs) We're we're too positive nature. Yeah, that's what entrepreneurs are. Right. Well, we can make it work. I see the I see the genius in Olivia sitting from you. Right. Right. I just met her. Yeah. You know, it would be I'd be hiring everybody. Right. The first interview, I like you. You're hired. Right. You know, you gotta have. Need women in the interview because they have this weird sixth sense, right? Right, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. You know, totally. You take it for what it's worth. Yeah, I trust get, everyone. I'm like, you're hired. Two or three <laughs> folks in your office come in and interview. Right. Or maybe do a second interview. Right. You know, call references, verify that they can work for you. Do a background check if they're ever touching money. Do a background check. Yeah. Okay. All those things are tying into the hiring. So yeah, I can't say I have an expert at it, but you have to become good at it. Yeah, for sure. You were big on video. We were talking in episode or part one of this episode about how you got on the video early and, you know, you looking at your website, there's tons of videos up there. How much would you attribute video to your success as far as being able to grow the business, any other ancillary benefits? And like, how are you approaching video now? Like, how do you think about video? Well, one of the things we talked about in the first episode was Bomba. Mm-hmm. So we implemented that into our outlook that we can right. send videos out for anybody. But video is just huge. It's right. key. Uh, you have SEO juice, you have instant legitimacy, you have familiarity where people are seeing you on video and then you go out to a business development appointment, they like right. to see you, know you. Uh, you can teach anything you want on video. There's just so many uses. Why would you not use it? Right. What about from a lead gen standpoint though? Because I get the conversion, like, hey, it helps us set ourselves apart. Have you been able to quantify lead gen? Like people find you on YouTube and then they come to your site, you know what I mean? Has Absolutely. That- yeah. Yeah. I mean, quantification will, will be tough other than the bottom line. Right. You know, we've signed up over a thousand units in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our churn has been killing us. You and I have been talking about right. this. Now, churn's not a bad thing. Some of them are good in sales. Right. So we generate sales that way. But, you know, people moving back in, people, you know, going to another management company or just doing self-management, the churn has been killing us. But we have grown significantly every year in a net growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that's the kind of level of experience we have in signing up folks in business development is from the video. The video stuff has been lead generation 101, getting us leads, and then you got to take it from there with a good follow-up system. Yeah. What does your perfect day look like? Hmm. Playing golf. <laughs> what about from a business and life standpoint? Like, uh, are you doing, is there anything you're doing right now where you're like, oh, I do that, but I hate, I don't like it. Like, what do you think about, like, where would you like to spend all your time? I've been thinking a lot of this about this lately. Personally, I think it's developing more of the mastermind. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're almost there. I need to get one more key leader in my office. The conference. Melanie. Yeah. Right. I want to get Melanie, get her, her broker's license. And she can become the managing broker of the company. And I can turn all the day-to-day stuff really over her as the director of operations. Uh, that's one of my development processes. And so, in fact, I've been consulting with Jennifer Stoops on this. Like, how did she become the second in command, right. the adult in charge? You know, how did she become that person of the company? And how did John Bradford turn over the power to her to run it? So I'm looking at that because that will allow me to build up the mastermind, develop the business development consulting, work on the other projects that we have in the fire, and then also build that conference, make that conference an annual kick-ass event that everybody wants to go to. Right. So those are those are my goals. Yeah. So on a daily basis, I, you know, I'd love to play golf every day. Right. But, you know, it just doesn't work out. Uh, I like to get maybe one round a week. Okay. That's week. good. And between the hunting trips and everything else, you know, there's plenty to go around. I don't really have a perfect day because we have cycles. Right. You know, we have seasons. Right. Uh, here, you could have a perfect day of going surfing and right. doing some Tai Chi. Or <laughs> barking at the moon. Barking at the moon. You know, doing some hot yoga. Fire dances. Fire dances. Yeah. That could be your perfect day. Well, let, you, me, let me ask you that question. Yeah. So yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And so the perfect day, you know, starts off a little bit of meditation, of course. Uh, you know, a little bit of uh, reading and whatnot. But what I really think I want to lean into hard is content creation, man. I'd like to be creating 10 times the content. I'd like to be doing more YouTube videos. I'd like to be doing more, whether it's like my music or tribe or property management. I just like sharing ideas, like meeting people. I like, you know, so I, I really want to lean more into that and build an infrastructure of like social media, people that know how to, how to do that, like Olivia and things like that. So um, it would be creating content all day, writing some music, and then hanging out with my wife and my dog and going to the beach, watch the sunset, fire up some steaks. I still do steaks in California, man. Out of boy, yeah, bro. The grass fed, yeah. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. Don't even talk to me unless it's uh, you know, they've been raised by a family of uh, four, yeah, somewhere. So they have a sleeping bed at night. Yeah, (laughs) I I get it. We're we're getting into that stuff too. Um, The organic meats, man. The organic meats. Tastes good, man. I'm a hunter, and you know we love sourcing our own food. Yeah, I will tell you the best steak I ever had in my life was in Austin. We went to this restaurant, Three Forks. Yeah. I've never seen, first off, I've never seen in California $195 steak. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. So they had some expensive steaks and uh, I didn't get the $195, but I got like the $80 steak and it was the best uh, bone in ribeye I've ever had. Three Forks is good. You've been there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. So best steaks I've ever had. So yeah. Good fun story is uh, so a year and a half ago, I did a doll sheep hunt in Alaska. Doll it was a sheep. backpack hunt. Okay. Okay. So you go inside the Arctic Circle, you go out with a guide. Everything's on your back. I was carrying 65, 75 pounds. Uh, we were able to take a very good sheep on day four. And eating the backstrap and the steaks out of that thing were <laughs> phenomenal. In the field, in the rain. See your eyes light up, man. I oh, feel you. the best thing I've ever eaten. You just hands, right? Because just eating that meat. To get that sheep off the mountain, it was a 10-mile hike. 
and it took me all day with my guide. I was carrying well over 120 pounds. That's crazy. I've never heard anyone hunt sheep. Oh yeah, it's a big thing. Really? It's a huge thing. That sounds yeah, so cool. My Grand Slam, which is your doll sheep, your mountain sheep, your uh, big horn, and then your desert sheep. Wow. So those four is your Grand Slam, your North American Grand Slam. Where are you going to get the big horn? Uh, big horn, I'm hoping to draw somewhere in the States. Next year, I'm doing a stone sheep. There's some in Palm Desert, Palm Springs. Yeah, I'm to draw in California. They'll let you fire. Yeah, they're not going to yeah. arrest you. Next next year's Canada stone sheep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another similar type. That's good, man, that. dude. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool that you have that passion. I love that, man. Uh, what else do I want to ask you? You know, we're, we got to go to SC Narpum in a little bit. You're going to talk about churn, but um, what's something you wish you would have done sooner? Looking back on your career. Wow, there's a lot of things to go there. I'm sure we all have our own, you know, mistakes. But the biggest, biggest number one is not having good accounting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking the whole procedures of checks and balances. I thought I did, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was putting too much trust in one person, and that one person burned us. And I'm not going to talk a lot about that just yet. But I think if we'd have had better procedures in place for checks and balances, reconciliations, check signing authority, payroll oversight. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things that we should have done from day one. Yeah. We are money managers, essentially, right? That's what property managers are. We're money managers, right? You're managing security deposits, you're managing rents. And that's not something that somebody trained you on. And so we made a lot of mistakes early. I really had wished the NARPM accounting standard was here 10 years ago, because if I had implemented just that booklet 10 years ago, all of that would have been avoided. You know, we would have built in the checks and balances to catch certain things uh, and we would have had a lot more wherewithal of where we are as far as our finances. Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of a frustrating part because, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I wish, but making the mistake of thinking your accounting is good, it will, will cost you. I would say spend the money. Yep. Spend the money to get really good accounting. Oh, that's, that's too much to pay for a CPA or, or a bookkeeper. I can't pay that. Doesn't matter what it costs. Yeah. Spend it. Yeah. It's it like building your margin to cuts in whatever. It's like the foundation of your company. And I learned the hard way too. I got burned. Uh, a lot of us have gotten burned. And, um, you know, Profit Coach has some financial control stuff, Phil Mazur, which we talked about. But yeah, that's so important. I was talking to someone at Strategic Coach recently and she was telling me, oh, my bookkeeper has a signature stamp. And whenever I hear signature stamp, my ears go up because that's how I got burned. Sure. And she was like, no, but this lady is the number, like, I would trust her with my life. I'm like, that's the worst person to trust because the person that takes steals from you is always the person you would never expect in a million years to steal. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> right. If you only knew, right? If you only knew, brother. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could someday I'll be able to tell the story, but I just really shouldn't now. Right. That's the biggest thing. That's the, the person that you think you trust the most. Oh, they're good. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my wife. That's my husband. That's mm-hmm. my cousin. Still, build in a check and balance. Take that bookkeeper you've been using for 10 years and build in one more reconciliation layer above that and let them know about it. Yeah. Because you know when people don't steal is when they're being watched. Right. When people do steal is when they're not being watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I wanted to ask you about, we're going to SD NARPM after this. You're going to give a talk on reducing churn. Super excited about that. What You've seen a lot of chapters. Like, What are some of the best run chapters out there? Like, As a president, or a president-elect, like what, what do you see people doing well and not so well? Or any ideas on SD or NARPM? Not a lot of ideas. The whole concept is sound. Yeah. The, the small group effort. Uh, getting in good speakers is kind of a, a key point. Right. You know, drawing people into the uh, into those meetings. So, for example, right now in San Antonio, Steve uh, Rosenberg is speaking. 
for the San, the San Antonio chapter. I'm kind of feel bad I miss it. You know, it might be a good presentation. Yeah. But getting in those types of presenters to come in and give some real good content mm-hmm. is is a key point because that keeps people coming back. Right. Because what you can get in that 50 to 100 to 150 level group is something different than a conference of 500 or 800 people. Right. You know, just it's just different. Right. And so there's a lot more one-on-one time. There's the vendors are hyper local. I mean, just to your particular market. So there's a lot of value in that. So I would continue to do what you're doing and continue to grow it. Uh, there's no no secret to success here. I wish right. I had it. Right. When we were talking about Jennifer Stoops earlier and to, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to ask you about a broker that's not you. You did that with EXP Realty right. on the and sales I, side. I turned back around. Oh, did you? I did. Okay. All right. So let me hear about that. Story. Yeah. Tell me what happened with that. Here's the story. So year, oh, the end of 2017. Okay. Okay. I jumped into EXP. So we were SaleWorks, which was my branch of RentWorks, which does all the sales, right? Hence, SaleWorks, powered by EXP. Well, EXP didn't really work for us. Uh, everything I thought we could do as far as recruiting didn't work uh, because they don't like property management at all, right? So my experience, and very candid, was EXP agents turned into recruiters. That's all they want right. to do is recruit. Yeah. They don't give a darn about selling homes. They just want to recruit other agents. And so that taints everything you touch. Meaning that if you ever want to do realtor events and they know they have a sniff that you're with EXP, other realtors won't show up because they don't want to be recruited over and over and over by the same company that they've heard from a thousand times that mm-hmm. finds their way to find them. Right. So it didn't work out. We backed out after a year. My wife will give me a hundred I told you so's for that one because she told me not to do it. I'm like, no, it'll it'll work. I feel it going on. Uh, I've got all these contacts in the management business. Every single contact that wanted to get into EXP in a different state was shot down. Oh, really? So there was no no point. So EXP wouldn't even take them? EXP wouldn't take them because they were doing property management. Oh, And the licensing didn't work in whatever state that is. Yeah. It must have been six or seven that got shot down. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the point? You know? Yeah. After I heard your podcast, I looked hard at it and I went to a little event and the guy running it now and doing all these things was like a really top agent in our market. And I'm like, he's spending all his time doing recruiting now. Like, right. it's interesting. But what I was getting at was uh, I'm really interested in staying in my unique ability, creating a perfect day, so to speak, that repeats itself and just doing stuff that fires me up and I'm passionate about. And being a broker of the property management company is really not one of them. So I'd like to eventually have someone have some upward mobility. That would be a good podcast episode, maybe with Jennifer Stoops. Like, Keep me posted on what you learned with that mm-hmm. as far as having someone replace you on the broker end. Yeah, there's a lot. To, it's probably simpler than we think. Right. You know, It's more along the lines of who's doing the, the weekly meetings. Uh, who's the go-to person? Who's got check signing authority? Who's the, bro- the managing broker? Right. And those are just top of my head things. Jennifer will probably tell me there's a hundred more. Right. Uh, but you know, for us to develop that person, that's 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 the key point to develop that person that you can trust, and then tying into the EUS model. So building in the the goals, the rocks, and having that quarterly meeting or monthly meeting with that key person to ensure your KPIs are all in line. Okay. Signing them KPIs. Right. And so I'm doing that now with my with my person in charge, Melanie. Okay, cool. All right, Brad, I wanted to ask you, first book that comes to mind, most impactful book for you. What is it? Traction. Traction. Love it. But do you implement traction? Working on it. Working on it. There you go. Everyone's got the same story of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. Right. Kawasaki, right. 1999, 98. There you go. A very smart dude from Vanderbilt handed me that book when I was an infantry officer at Fort Benning, Georgia. He says, here, read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Changed my complete mindset. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting out of the military a year and a half later uh, and then got right into real estate there because of that book. There you go. 
If you could only listen to one podcast and it can't be yours or mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what would one it be? Podcast. Uh, it might be Jordan's. Profitable Property profitable, Management. Profitable Property Management Podcast. Because no one says guttural like Jordan does. I know. I learned. What's I, your guttural feel today? Right, right. On the tribe, uh, Jordan's usually my co-host, but uh, we're doing a little a special episode today. But yeah, I get I write down like the vocabulary words and then I go back. It's so deep. You got to go look them up. I've had... I don't even know what guttural means. Fine, right? Look it up. Right, sounds really cool. (laughs) Right, I love guttural. I love guttural. What are you excited about right now? Mastermind, mastermind. Building that property management, mastermind up. Building that conference. Building up that consulting service. There you go. Some products. Developing the speakers. Developing that program. Just making that thing just killer. Yeah, because you you like helping people. You like sharing ideas. You like me. Yeah. So it takes a lot of boxes. You make some money. Yeah, it builds help the industry. Yeah, I mean, if we can build the industry up and make it a more positive place to be, it's going to attract more owners and just make everybody that much. I mean, the the cliche of a a rising tide raises all ships, Mm -hmm. that one, it is true. Yeah. Because I think there's a pretty low bar in the States as far as property management, property managers. You want an example of that? Go into bigger pockets. Right. And read some of those comments from those, you know, air quote investors that just dog property managers. They're all worthless out there. Right. And so I think we got to be able to raise that somehow as an industry. Right. Cool, man. It's good talking to you. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? Please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about joining the tribe, go to tribemastermind.com to understand why the best and brightest mastermind with us.